I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Wednesday, June 5, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We have stuff to discuss today. Today was somewhat of a yesterday 2.0, but there are certainly enough things under the hood of this market which leaves us plenty to discuss. Let's start out with the big picture. What is the big picture? We're going to start there. We're going to work down. The big picture is this market is in a downtrend. The trend has changed. The trend is no longer north. The trend is now south. Currently, we are in a counter-trend rally, period, full stop. What happened recently? The market came into the top end of our support area, 274.19. We were looking somewhere in between 274 and 270.50, give or take. They chose the top end. They had a nice rally. And as of today, we've been up about 100 handles since Monday's low. At that time, after the video was made, we discussed the fact that the market rather quickly is going to be up 75 to 125 S&P points rapidly if that or wherever that bottom came in from. So all that happened, it took place. Where did we close today? 282.87. What was today's high? You're going to love this one. Today's high happened to be 282.99 against the first overhead resistance level that we had at 283 even. We discussed this last night. The 20 period moving average is slightly below that 283 level. Came in right now at 282.84. Price went to the 283 or came up one penny short. Wanted to get to the small fat round number. It's not a big fat round number. It's a small fat round number. Different numbers have different importance. But the market does like to run to even the small fat round numbers. It's also known as an even number, 283. Talked about 283. The market came close. Close enough, in fact. And the market closed bullish for the day. Real quick, just as an, oh, by the way, the mid-afternoon update today, and there was one. There's not necessarily one every day, but when there is something to discuss, I certainly am happy to put one out there. They're hanging around at the highs. Can they have a push higher into the end of the day? Yes, but there's a lot of resistance up here. At the time, they were hanging around the price levels of about 28 282.40, give or take, in the SPY. They were there early this morning. They fell away. They came back to make a challenge. That's bullish. I said if they close above these prices, that's bullish. We'll see what happens going into Thursday. They closed them bullish. We have to see if there's any hangover or holdover, and we have another continuation move. Let's go back to the charts, and let's talk about that for a moment. What happens if we do push higher? We have Thursday, we have Friday, we have a phony jobs number on Friday. So markets will tend to move around the phony jobs number. They like to use the jobs number or the employment report as an excuse. I'm going to hit you with something interesting in a moment. First, let's go over the price 
on the chart. It's the same price we discussed yesterday, 285.50. Maybe we get up to that area, maybe we don't. There's a gap up there. They can certainly fill the gap. However, they don't have to fill the gap. Understand where we are. We're in a market that's in the middle of a counter trend rally. The easy money from the bottom of that counter trend rally has certainly been made. The rest of the counter trend rally, wherever it decides to peter out, is actually and likely the hard part. The last several points are usually the toughest to capture. They may make it want to look like they're going to fill the gap, come up short, fall away. They may spike through the gap right into and through the 50 period moving average. We don't know exactly which one's going to take place. A lot of it's going to depend day to day on where the market is, where it closes, and how it trades, and what the different charts that we look at across the board look like. Not just a 10-minute chart and not just an hourly chart. What do the other ones look like? Are we able to get any clues? We'll take a look at a couple of those charts today just so that we're all on the same page. Let's talk a little bit about the phony jobs number on Thursday. So here's a theory. I'm making this up out of whole cloth. This is not tradable information. This is not actionable information. This is just something that popped into my mind, and you all know the drill. It's a very dangerous place to be, but here's the routine. So one of the rare times I did have the sound on in the background of the TV was early this morning. They happened to release the ADP report. Now, this is the precursor to the phony employment report on Friday morning. It's supposed to give us a clue of what's coming. Whether it does or it doesn't, who knows? I have no idea. But the point is this. The number this morning was poor. The market really didn't react on the number, but the number was poor. They kind of had that deer-in-the-headlights look sitting around the table trying to figure out what to do with that number. So now, all of a sudden, the expectations for Friday are drawn down or reduced. We have reduced expectations for Friday. Again, this is just a theory, but it's based on we've seen this before, have read this book before. Kind of like when we beat reduced earnings expectations and all of a sudden the stock rockets higher because they killed the number. But all they really did was report earnings that were about where they should have been anyway. It's a shell game. It's like three-card Monty. So here's the story. Let's say that the phony jobs number or the employment report on Friday comes out what would normally have been either below or at expectations, but all of a sudden, in theory, Based on that ADP report, everybody's quote-unquote expecting a poor report. Now, let's say it's not necessarily a poor report. That's another catalyst. That's another recipe for another update starting at 8.30 in the morning after the phony jobs number. We've seen this before, read this book before. Who cares what the number is? It's all psychology. It's kabuki theater. I don't know if any of that will take place. It was fun to think about it. I thought I would pass it on. We'll see what happens. What are my expectations when and if the market does hit the higher destination that we've discussed? 285 and a half, maybe even higher, maybe up to 286 and a half, right around the 50 period moving average. What are my expectations for the following trading sessions after that occurs? Well, we don't know how long it's going to take or if they'll stay up there. But let's say we got there rather quickly. 
let's just say for argument's sake, within the next two or three trading days. Well then, frankly, my expectation is we run up there and we fall away and the market begins selling off from there. How much of a sell-off? We don't know that yet. We don't need to know that yet. We're still going higher. I say that because I always get those questions. Where do you think we can go to on the downside? And my answer is we're still going higher, so we don't know that yet. Frankly, we don't know if the market's going to turn down again. I'm giving you what I think is going to happen. It's still speculation until it does happen. What happens if we run up, blast off, close above the 50 period moving average, am I going to be singing the same tune? Likely not. I'm going to be saying we're above the 50 period moving average. If we close up here for a few days, that's going to change the picture. What else would change the picture? I'll tell you what else. If in fact we ended up doing this and we just went sideways for like a week from here, from right where we finished on Wednesday, what happens if we did that? Am I going to think that we're going to run up here to the gap and then immediately sell off? No. Then, if we're consolidating below an important price, what the market is doing, it's building energy to likely get through that price. So we don't know exactly what's going to take place. What I'm doing is I'm providing you the different schematics that I see as the likely outcomes. We don't know exactly how we're going to get to where we're going. So I have to lay it out. We have a blank canvas and we'll see what happens day by day, candle by candle. That's the way it works. We're switching over to an intraday 10 minute chart. I want to point out a couple of things, a couple of things that are obvious a couple of ways that traders are making money by identifying where the trades are. First, here's another piece from inside the numbers. Now I just want you to see one of the components, the mindset early in the morning. Staying above the big fat round number and psychological number of 2800 will keep the ball in the bull's hands. The better number for the ES is to stay above 2805. Getting below can send markets down into the mid-2790s or even lower if it's a failure. So we have to be prepared for both sides. This stuff's out here at about 9 o'clock in the morning. We need to keep an eye on the market-leading indicators such as IWM, transports, and financials for evidence of strength or weakness. And by the way, up top, I forgot to mention, the bulls are not likely to give it up that easy. It's more normal for them to stay up here for a while. Here references where they were in the pre-market trading activity, which was right around that same level up near 2820, give or take. Then we go on to say, these relief rallies can certainly go higher than most people might imagine until markets have arrived at a destination nobody could have imagined just two days ago. There will be a number that will reject price. Did we see it this morning? We don't know until we know, but chasing the market up here is not necessarily the sound business approach. Now, I brought this up. For a reason, I want to go back to the chart. I want to discuss the trading activity today because I think a lot of you are going to look at this and say, oh yeah. So we're back on the 10-minute chart. So what happened? The market gaps higher in the morning. We have a gap open. And then we proceed immediately to slide down to do what? Fill the opening gap. That's garden variety market behavior. Happens all the time. 
Traders that want to jump on the market thinking it's running away from them get shaken out pretty quickly right before the market finds support around the gap and then we take off and grind higher for the rest of the day. That's one of the things that I wanted to point out because I know it happens to traders all the time. That's why I try to say early in the morning, don't chase the market. I'm telling you that sometimes they'll just run away, and that's fine if they do. They'll run away by themselves. That's okay. Most of the time, that's not going to happen. Most of the time, the Johnny-come-latelys jump on board, they get whipped out, the pros pocket their money, and then they reverse the market, and it grinds higher. On a day like today, the volume wasn't tremendously heavy. We had a big up day yesterday. We weren't reversing yesterday's gains. We were gapping higher, and then we went down to fill the gap. If we continued lower, for argument's sake, below the gap, below 280, below this price level down here and started trading below there, something else would have been likely developing. But that's not what happened. As long as you know where you're wrong, you're in business. You can learn everything you need to know in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. You put the course together with these videos every single night and inside the numbers, that three-pillar approach is a winning strategy. Now, let's move on. Then what happened? Then we began to grind higher and we began to consolidate or just trade sideways for the majority of the afternoon. What's that telling us? That's the market's way of indicating that it's likely building energy to push higher. What did we do at the end of the day? We pushed higher right up into that 283 level, came up a penny short. But they don't have to be done pushing higher. They just ran out of time. Before I mentioned the rope-a-dope, they had a little rope-a-dope at the end of the day also. So this is the way this works. So you see what happened is the market starts selling off. Everybody thinks that we're going to sell into the close. That's the impression that they want you to get. That's the impression the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew want you to have. They want you to believe that the market is going to sell into the end of the day. They start this activity about 3.30 in the afternoon. But that's not what happened. They did the rope-a-dope, reversed the market, and traded higher into the closing bell. You can't trade that. You don't know what's taking place. You don't know what's going to reverse. You don't know where it's going to reverse. Trading like that at the end of the day isn't a wise decision. It's really akin to sitting down at the blackjack table and hoping you win. You're running out of time. There's no clear picture of exactly what's going to happen in the last 20 minutes of the day, for example. Even though we've seen this before, you don't know that it's going to happen today. You don't know what's going to happen every day. 80-20 rule. On a day like today, 80% of the time you finish on the highs. When you consolidate underneath, when you trade underneath a round number, a big fat round number, or even a little fat round number for hours, the majority of the afternoon. That's the market's way of telling you it wants to go reach that number. It's not any more complicated than that. Don't need to read into it. Don't need stochastics. Don't need a MACD. Don't need an RSI. Don't need a banjo. Don't need a five iron. Don't need anything. 80% of the time, the market's going to go hit the fat round number, little or small. Here's the hourly chart. Now, we've had this discussion before. I think it's important to have it again. It's a great place to have this discussion again. What did we just do? Didn't we just come back to test 
a former breakdown area? Yeah. Follow me on this one. The market goes sideways, right? Comes down and essentially bear flag pattern. This was a breakdown, okay? Another flag pattern, wedge pattern, call it what you want. We found the bottom here and now we've just rallied back up to test a former breakdown area. Here's another breakdown area. The market stopped there for a little bit, not much, because it had a bigger or larger or more important destination in mind. Well, guess what? Here we are today. Is there another destination in mind? Well, maybe there's a gap. And here's what I'll say, and we've had this discussion many times on different charts at different points in time. But here's again where this comes into play. This is why we need to know all this stuff. Not everything we need to know comes into play every day, but we need to know it because we need to know it when we see it. This was a breakdown area. The market broke down from around 283. Now we've come back here, but the market wasn't rejected at 283. Not yet. Anyway, if we wake up to a gap down on Thursday morning, that's a different ball game altogether. But that's not where we are as I make this video. As I make this video, the market has not been rejected. In fact, it's been attracted to 283 as of the close Wednesday. Not being rejected at 283 can be a hint. It can be a signal they want to go get the gap at 285 and a half. And that's where I was going with that. Are they going to make it easy? Probably not. If they start getting up into this no man's land, that's likely what's going on. Will they get the gap? We don't know until we know. But this is the only way I have to look at this chart today. By the way, you also have a 200 period moving average above that gap, 285.75. That's going to actually slope downward a little bit each day that goes forward. So there's definitely a lot of overhead resistance at that gap as well. We know it always pays to look at a variety of different charts. So here's an example. If we're looking at price and price never gets to the gap and the market does reverse, it's a what if, it's a total hypothetical. And it reverses somewhere around 284.5, 284.75, 285, never gets to the gap. Well, on this 120-minute chart, it just so happens a 100-period moving average comes in around that price. Now, I'm not saying it's going to stop price, but what I am saying is there's a reason why I look at a variety of different charts. There's a lot of reasons why. Here's a 240-minute chart. You have the gap, and you have a 50-period moving average on the 240-minute chart. That's an important moving average, 284.68 today. It'll likely be slightly lower as the day goes on tomorrow and into Friday. But we need to know all this stuff. We need to look around the horn. The IWM, my favorite market-leading indicator in either direction, Relative weakness today. Inside the numbers members were privy to that as well. That was important information. This will prove to be important information. Let's call it what this is. This is an ugly chart. This is in a downtrend. This is a rally in a downtrend. The likely scenario is wherever we get to. Maybe we get above these moving averages. Maybe we don't get to the moving averages. The likely scenario is until and unless... We close at least more than one, at least two days above those moving averages. This market is poised to take another run lower. 
This is hinting of weakness. This is my favorite market-leading indicator. This is not telling us another rally leg is coming. This is telling us the market is weak and the sell-off is not over. That's what the IWM is telling us today. I'll show you this from a weekly chart perspective. I think it's important to realize this as well. So last week, we closed below this pivot over here. That's important. That's important in my book anyway. So that comes from March 29th or the week ending March 29th of this year. So we closed this past Friday below that price. You can see what's happening. They're trying to get the market back up above that pivot. That's at least the way I'm looking at this chart. They're above it now. That low was 148.41, I believe. The actual low is, yes, 148.41. We'll see where they close the week. However, even if they close the week above 148.41, I'm not looking at that as a recapture, as an end-all, be-all, as a new leg higher. You would have to get above those moving averages on a weekly close more than once to convince me new highs are coming. The VIX. No surprise in the VIX. We knew that if the market was going to continue in the northern direction, that the VIX would likely come in the southern direction. What are we looking for in the VIX? We're looking for 14 and change. 1450, 1475, in that neighborhood. We need a bust through of 15. We're likely to find support in the VIX below 15. What's doing down at the transportation department? Relative strength today in the transports, interestingly enough. Not relative strength so much against the SPY, but against some other markets. I thought it was interesting, certainly relative strength against the IWM. That's my favorite market leading indicator. But we all know that the transports is number two. So the transports were up almost 1% today, almost 9 tenths of 1%. The IWM actually finished in the red. That's quite the divergence. One market will need to catch up with the other. Not need to, but will actually do it. Which one, when, and why? Well, we can look at it like this. If we're going to fill the gap that we discussed in the SPY, we're likely getting a rise or a higher price in all the markets across the board. So we would likely see the IWM rise in a situation like that. If not, that would be a very ominous sign, but that would likely be what would happen. Also, you would find the transports trading up into their moving averages. You can see here, there would be a lot of overhead resistance right here. Why? Breakdown candle, moving averages, former breakdown area. We rally back to test the former breakdown area. There's just too much here to get through. It's just not going to happen under normal garden variety market conditions. Anything different to look at over in the queues? Not really. Same routine, different chart. The financials. This is the odd man out. This is the sixth man on the bench or the sixth sense. I mean, something's going on. Either this is a hint that the market is going to have another rally leg and the financials are hinting ahead of time Or it's an anomaly based on the bond market slash interest rate discussion we had yesterday. We don't know which one it's going to be yet, but what we do know is where price is today. Price is the absolute arbiter. Price is above the moving averages. Now, all these moving averages aren't the most important in the world, but it is important that we got back above them. We have to keep an eye on this. This is a puzzle piece 
This is on the table. I'm studying this. What's the line in the sand? What is the bogey on the upside where if the XLF continues trading higher, where would it have to close above in order for me to be convinced that there's another bull leg coming across this market? We would have to close this Friday or any Friday above 2747. This is right out of the course. And anybody that can't see that or doesn't see that that's taken the course, let me know. I'll point it out. And I'll give you a hint. Look at other charts. It's not necessarily visible to the naked eye on this chart. You flip over the coin and you get the other side of the story. The SMH, relative weakness. It actually is the opposite scenario of the financials. Interestingly enough, the SMH really never rallied today, nor did many of the semiconductor stocks. Now, they were weak while the market was selling off. They were an indicator ahead of time. They were the weakest sector across the decline during the corrective phase so far. And they can't seem to get up off the mat. So the question is, is this indicative of what's to come? Are we getting a signal? And a signal would be the SMH being a pretty good proxy of the tech sector, telling us what's likely coming in the tech sector. This is weak. If we can't get back above those moving averages right now, the 20 and then the 100 up at, let's say, 105. If we can't get up to be at 105 and close a day above 105 in the SMH, that's extremely weak and we would be expecting weakness across the markets. That's what that would be a signal to me. We'll give these markets another day or so, see if they can't get to higher prices. But if we continue to see failure in the IWM, in the SMH, those are going to be the telltale signs. We're aware of the anomaly in the XLF, but right now, majority rules and majority of the charts look the same, not same as the XLF, but same to each other. So we're aware of it. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table, but majority rules. Take a peek over at crude oil. Is crude oil telling us that there's a Fed put under the market? We're going to have easy money or easy monetary policy. They're going to flood the market with money like they've done before, and everything's going to rise. We're going to inflate all the markets up, including crude oil. Is that what this chart is telling us? No, not yet it's not. This is telling us that's not the case. This is telling me that the stock market is having a dead cat bounce and price in crude oil trading lower tells me the underlying theme is there's trouble out there. That's the way I read it. You've been inside my head. It's dangerous. Enter at your own risk. But this is where I'm going to leave it tonight. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.